Good morning. It is wonderful to see all of you here. So glad that you are with us. And if you are a visitor, we welcome you as our honored guest. And we hope you'll hang out for a little bit after worship and let us get to know you a little better. Well, another year has come and gone. I've been your minister now, uh, pulpit minister, since April. Looking forward to another new year. How was your 2019? And have you started your resolutions? Time to start thinking about those, and the new year is a wonderful time to do that. Of course, it's very easy to fall away from those resolutions because new habits are difficult to start, difficult even more so to maintain. But it's a good time. It's a good time to begin a new year next week on a Sunday, worshiping here, worshiping our Lord and Savior, and being a part of this good congregation, or making any number of other changes in your life for self-improvement. Because it's around this time of year people start to do that. And it's a good thing, for sure. There's a lot of popular phrases associated with beginning a new year. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. This year there's lots of opportunity to get things right. And God is a God of second chances. While the intent of these messages is hope, do they actually carry, however, biblical merit? Especially as we consider their message in light of the gospel plan of salvation. And do these phrases that we often think of in starting a new year, do they communicate the real message of Jesus Christ, which is what we should be about? And does the phrase, this is my time for a second chance, how much biblical merit does this phrase have? Of course, in some contexts, it carries a wonderful message. But I'd like to look at it a little deeper because I think there can be a negative side to this phrase, to this idea of a second chance. Most people within the first year fall away from their New Year's resolutions. And we don't want that to happen when it comes to our Christian lives. If one of your resolutions is to be a better Christian in the coming year, I want this moment, a year from now, for you to be able to say, yes, I have attained my goal. Not because you had a second chance, however, but because you took the chance that was offered to you. So what if I told you that you don't need a second chance, really? Because I'm afraid that this phrase might lead people to the wrong conclusion and maybe even to the wrong beginning when considering one's Christian life. A second chance mentality does a few things. We're going to talk about those this morning. But I believe that a second chance mentality only tells half the story of the gospel. So what does second chance communicate? A second chance relies too much on you and your deeds. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3, please. Philippians chapter 3. In verse 7, sometimes in communication, whenever we say something, you know, we're trying to communicate a particular idea, a particular set of thoughts, but sometimes 
the conclusion we might reach with what we're trying to communicate might lead down a bad path. And I think second chance might be one of those. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Here Paul is telling the Philippians, I want to lose everything for the cause of Christ, including myself. You see, too many times we think that we can do things on our own, that we can do it on our own. What does that do? That takes out the variable of Christ. That takes out our dependence on Him. And here Paul is really trying to impress upon us the importance of knowing Christ. I want to lose everything so that I might gain Him, so that I might know Him. Verse 9, And may be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own. You see, that's what we try to do. The second chance relies on your righteousness. Paul says, not having a righteousness of my own, I don't want any part of my own righteousness derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. See, a second chance says, I can do it this time. I can do it this time. But Paul says, you can't do it without Christ. Paul says, you've got to have Him. You can't do it on your own. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So I've got to do what I can do, but I've got to know that Christ is there, that Christ is the reason I'm righteous. That it's because of the righteousness of Christ that I can live a better life on this earth. That no matter what happens to me, I can be happy, I can be content which is something we all need. But no matter what happens, God is going to be there for me. A second chance sometimes communicates the message of, if you fail, well, then you're just done, I suppose. God's not going to give up on you, however. Consider Abraham. What he did for God, not knowing where he was going or how it was going to turn out, he did as God commanded. God told Abraham, go to a land that I will tell you. I've often, you know, wanted to just wake up and just start driving, not knowing where I'm going. But I'm more of a planner, as I'm sure that you are. Most people don't want to just start going somewhere, not knowing where they're going or what's going to happen when they get there. But God told Abraham, go to a land that I will tell you. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8 says this, By faith, when, by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Sometimes you have to follow God, not knowing exactly where you're going. We like to take the reins, we like to take the steering wheel too much, and try to take our lives down a path that we think, well, this is going to reap the best reward. Abraham picked up his family, and moved to a place that he didn't know where he was going, and it was because of faith. We often don't know how God will use our circumstances to change us for the better. 
And all this living and getting away from a second chance mentality is about Christ's righteousness, not yours. We try to be righteous, but we will fall short. And focusing on our second chances proclaims this. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31 says, But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. A second chance says, I did it this time. A second chance says, I'll overcome all of these things. But Paul told the Corinthians that Christ Jesus came to us, wisdom from God, and he became righteousness, and he became sanctification, and redemption. That's what Christ has done for us. We can't do it on our own, and we've got to get away from a second chance mentality, also because a second chance mentality can live only on the surface. You are very much motivated to do well this time of year. You want to have a better year spiritually, you want to have a better year financially, other particular goals, which is fine. But maybe what will happen, especially spiritually, when your efforts start to fail, I'm not doing it well enough. I've, I've faltered on this, and I've faltered on that. And it's, it's not paying off the way I thought it would. My second chance, I'm losing. But what can you do? Sometimes people will take the easier route. And well, if I can just make everybody think I'm a good Christian, that'll be good enough. Matthew 23, 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. I am afraid that if we live by a second chance mentality, that we'll make sure the outside looks good and forget about the inside. Paul told the Galatians in chapter 5 and verse 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. We've got to take care of the outside. We do. There's obedience. There's a lot of things that have to happen. But we've got to clean the inside of the cup as well. A second chance focuses too much on your effort and what you have done rather than Christ, which very well may set you up for failure. Regarding human relationships, second chances are sometimes needed. You want to show your boss, you want to show a friend, you want to show a spouse that you'll do better because the person can ask you to leave or not want to be a part of a relationship given the circumstances. And it's in these moments it's just appropriate that you hope for mercy, that you do hope for that one person to do better this time. You make a mistake and you need another chance. The longer you're married, there may be multiple second chances actually over the years because we often do make mistakes. But regarding our relationship with God, a second chance means I have to get it right this time. I have to get it perfect. It means I have to get it right by myself this time. And when I fail, I am right back to where I started. And what does this do? This frustrates us. And the more we get frustrated, the closer we get to quitting. How many people have you heard say, well, I can't, can't go to church because, you know, I just can't do it. It's because they have this mentality 
that they have to reach a certain level to be able to sit in these pews, that they have to reach a certain spiritual level to be able to walk into these doors. We need sinners in this building because this is where God's saving grace can be found. Those that are sinners need not stay out of here, but they need to be welcomed in here regardless of what they've done, regardless of how the world might see them. Because God sees them as someone he's willing to forgive. If you mess up this chance, the next, and even the next, God is there ready to forgive. While we live, there really never is what one might call one last chance. So what are you attempting with your second chance if you've had this type of mentality? To stop making the same mistakes that get you into trouble? Well, that's a good target. For sure. But you may not stop these mistakes totally. See, the second chance person says, well, I'm not going to do X or I am going to do Y. and I'm going to maintain that forever. Well, sometimes it's easy to fall back into sin. The goal should be to stop. But as I've said, if you rely on your own strength, you may never get rid of the demons in your life. And then what happens? You may end up blaming God for not getting you out of the temptation. More frustration that builds and builds and builds. And because you haven't quit this habit, or because you haven't started or, or succeeded in your second chance, you see, you might blame God for not taking the temptation away from you. But James says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. It is God's fault that this is happening. No. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Consider David, who was a man who walked with God. 1 Kings chapter 15 and verse 5. David did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life. That's a good thing to hear, right? That's a wonderful thing to hear. Oh, the verse continues, does it not? except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. See, David was a man who walked with God, but he was not without his flaws, big flaws, that included adultery and murder. And yet this was a man who walked with God. Why? Because he had the mentality of repentance. He knew what God had done for him, what God could do for him, and he was still going to mess up, and he took that and he repented, and he sat in those ashes and mourned the loss of his child and mourned what he had done and the pain that he had brought on other people. But he did not quit. He did not quit. He continued to go after God and to walk with him. So you can't quit if you are attempting to change your life and to change your ways. Your second chance may be going towards the impossible. That's what we mean by failure here. Imagine giving a five-year-old a calculus test. He or she tries, and of course, he fails. The teacher might show mercy, tear up his exam, and forgive his failure, which would cause him to rejoice, right? When we sin, when we mess up, God's forgiveness causes us to rejoice. The forgiveness that our loved ones give us causes us to rejoice because we don't have to bear that guilt anymore. But what happens when the teacher puts a fresh, identical test in front of him for a second attempt, he's going to fail again and again and again. 
Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 tells us something that we should realize. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. A second chance says, I just can't do it. And so you leave church and you don't come back because you just can't do it. Remember this verse. Whenever you start having this mentality, there is none righteous, not even one. Romans 3, 23 and verse 24, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. All of us have sinned, all of us have, but we've been justified as a gift. That's what grace is. Grace is a gift through what? Through Christ Jesus. 1 John 1.8 If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Give up on the second chances because you're going to mess up. You're not going to give it, get it perfect. And without the redeeming blood of Christ, you'll never make it. So you've got to accept these facts and get away from the second chance mentality. Romans chapter 13. Let's turn there. Romans chapter 13. Beginning with verse 11. In your trying to follow Christ, you may not be putting down the right thing. So if, you, if you're going to start fresh, you're going to start new, there are some behaviors that you do have to change, that you do have to work towards so that you can ratchet up a little bit and improve your spiritual life. And Romans chapter 13 talks about these. Romans 13 and verse 11. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than we believe. For some people, it seems as though salvation is way on down the line, way on down the road, as though we can't, we can't reach it. We just can't seem to get there. But he says, salvation is nearer to you than what you think. The night is almost gone and the day is near, therefore lay us let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. In your new chance, in your new beginning, not second chance, but you're going to start living anew. You do have to start living from the light. Verse 13, let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness. See, those sins were saved for the night. Those sins are, are saved for evil moments. Not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. So as you look to this new chance that's been revived to you once again, that, that you are a sinner and you can't live in that way any longer and you want to start losing some habits, you've got to start doing this. You've got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that you beat yourself up but it means maybe that you do start some new beliefs and some new habits. You don't need a second chance. Instead, you need to accept what's been offered to you in the first place. A second chance sounds as though it's all we have. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and let's look at what we're, what we're going after. In these chances that we talk about, however you might illustrate it in your verbiage, but as you look to the future, let us see how Peter illustrates what we are going after. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again 
to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. This is the chance that we have been given, an inheritance that will not fade away. So whenever you do mess up, the inheritance that's promised here is not fading. It's not going away. You might leave it. You might put it to the side. You might forget about it for a while. But it's still there, waiting on you to accept it. In Romans chapter 4, here Paul talks about Abraham. And he asks, when was Abraham made righteous? When he was crucified, or circumcised rather, no, not then, but before he was circumcised, according to Romans chapter 4. Did he need to be circumcised? Yes. But the promise of God made to Abraham wasn't because of anything Abraham did, it was because God promised it to him. God has promised us salvation. And people are often hesitant because they are afraid of what they have to do once they accept that salvation. There is great obedience involved, to be sure. But sometimes we put undue pressure on those who aren't faithful yet or who are young in the faith. We put pressure on those who aren't as mature as we think they should be. Why? Because we expect ourselves to do so much in regards to our salvation. This is why Paul spent so much time teaching about justification through faith through the various letters that he wrote because he knew that people would try to work their way to heaven and miss the point. Well, I can't do it, so I've got to quit. Paul tells us, don't do that. It is because of Christ that you have the ability to be righteous. It is because of Christ's forgiveness that you can go to heaven. And you're going to mess up all the time. He spent several verses telling the Romans that. So we don't need a second chance. We need to accept the chance that we have been given that renews every day. Matthew chapter 23, 22 rather. We think that if we have a second chance, that we'll get it right this time. Let's look at Matthew chapter 22. With the second chance mentality, I'll get it right this time if I just know the secret formula. A lot of diet commercials that are out there this time of year because one resolution is to eat healthier, right? One big thing. So a lot of the advertisements that you'll see is this one thing that you can do, this one thing that you can change, eat this one superfood. A lot of promises, a lot of easy promises to be made. Well, Matthew chapter 22, the people wanted to know what the greatest commandment was. Matthew 22 and verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And, you know, if you knew the secret formula, wouldn't you want to follow that? Wouldn't you want to know this? And that's what he's asking. He's trying to trip him up, but it's a commandment that we would be interested in knowing for sure. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Christ wants you to do these things. 
We want you to love him. We want you to love your neighbor. We want you to love yourself as well. When you become a Christian, there's no need to think that you have these lofty goals because it takes time, it takes growth to reach a certain level of spiritual maturity. And where you are right now is where Christ accepts you, and he wants you to start. He wants you to start that relationship with him today. Have you ever started a new hobby? You know, got excited about buying tools, watched some YouTube videos. I can do that. I can fashion knives out of fire and steel. I can do that. I'm going to build a forge in my backyard. I hadn't done that yet, but I thought about it. Whenever you start a hobby, you start researching it and getting excited about it. And when you first pick up those tools, you can't do it perfectly immediately, can you? You can't. But you work at it a little more every day, every week. And before you know it, you've got a hobby that you really enjoy. And in some ways, the Christian life is that way in the sense that you're not going to get it perfect. But you have to keep trying. And of course, it's more, more than a hobby. It's something, not something you can just put down. It's something you need to pick up and maintain and work on every single day. You don't need a second chance, but what we do need to do is consider every day a chance. Not to get it perfect, but to accept God's saving grace. Also, realize you can do nothing without Christ. Forgive yourself and forgive others because Christ is your only chance. So accept that. And those of us that are Christians, we need to accept this and know that every day is a chance for us to be better. Or if you're not a Christian, you need to become one this morning. Become a Christian, a New Testament Christian this morning by being baptized. The people in Acts chapter 2 asked, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter told them to repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what we are still instructed to do today. For it is through baptism that you come into contact with the blood of Christ, and you are added to the body of Christ as the New Testament teaches. If you need prayers of forgiveness because you're a Christian, or if you need to become one, please come forward now as we stand and sing.